What happened? <laughs> I thought it was really good. I thought I it was great. That, I think that will be a good episode. I'm just like so much more confused now. I really am like... <sighs> Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode seven of Fatal Error. I'm Sarush Kanlu. And I'm Chris Dezombeck. Today, Chris, I want to talk about the single responsibility principle. This is something that I feel a little hazy on, even though it seems like it's the most concrete of all of the sort of solid principles. And I want to like really dive in and figure out how, I guess there's like a pun with solid and concrete. But I want to, I want to feel like, I, I want to understand where you, where you tackle this from and how I should be thinking about this. So what is the single responsibility principle? Well, first, let me back up for a second and say, in my, the little bit of research that I did for this episode, I realized that I'm a little bit more fuzzy than I thought on the single responsibility principle, but I also learned some things. So hopefully uh, we, we go on this journey of exploration together. I would like that very much. So the single responsibility principle is, I can say it colloquially, as uh, each class or each type should have right. one responsibility. More formally, the way that I think Uncle Bob, Robert Martin, who, as far as I know, came up with this as, as part of the like solid object-oriented design practices, he states it as there should never be more than one reason for a class to change. So I feel like both of those are really abstract. Like, can you give me a little bit more than one sentence? Well, sure. So let's break it down. So you're designing your application, you're creating objects, interfaces for, you know, classes, structs, protocols. This is a guideline that says every one of those types that you create should do one thing, should have one responsibility, should represent one concept, right? right? And the the more formal or like original definition, there should never be more than one reason for a class to change. That means that exactly what it says if you can imagine different reasons that you would have to change the implementation or, or the interface of a type then that type probably can be split into two different types that interact in some way or are used by some other type to achieve something right? gotcha so as an example uh, if you're if you're drawing like a rectangle to the screen it probably doesn't make sense for a rectangle you know, that has a width and a height and an area to also know how to draw itself to the screen, right? Right. Then changes to, I guess, basic geometry uh, or changes to the, like, graphics uh, interface layer for this whatever system you're programming would cause that that rectangle type to change, right? Gotcha, yeah. Um, more, more concretely, you don't want, like, a change in one area of business rules and... Uh, maybe a change in like an external API to both like be able to affect the same class. Right. Does, it, does that make a little more sense? It does. It's getting towards the path. But I, I guess I think one thing that would help me is if we talked about like, let's talk about actual things that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis, right? It's like UI view, right? UI view has a method called draw rect where it literally gets the current context and just like puts stuff on that buffer. It also has a method called layout subviews where it decides where the different subviews that it controls belong, right? Are yeah. those two responsibilities? I mean, I'm not going to say that UI view is particularly <laughs> well designed. Right, right? I, I don't um, think it those, is those seem like different responsibilities, although I will point out that some things like the actual auto layout implementation is separated out into another like constraint solver class, right? right? 
uh, a lot of the actual drawing code is like separated out into core graphics land, right? Yeah, some of it is. Going back to just sort of single responsibility principle uh, at a high level, maybe before we get into like more intense Q and A, is um, so uh, hopefully now we have like some sort of kind of intuitive understanding of of what this means, right? Mm-hmm. It means that if you have some class doing networking and and drawing something something to the screen that's that's probably bad right right yes and once you start thinking about this a little more i find this to be a very very useful tool when designing some part of an application like if you have a problem and you're approaching a you know a blank slate and you're trying to figure out how do i break this down this is a really really powerful tool just even if you're not thinking about single responsibility directly but to think about responsibilities like what what roles am i trying to model in the system that i'm building what uh interfaces should be present to model each of those roles do these roles line up one-to-one with responsibilities can i split responsibilities out further right and like just thinking about the again like business rules and other requirements that you're trying to model and the responsibilities that might collaborate to achieve those goals is like it's a very, very like powerful way, I think, like to help you break down a problem and using the single responsibility principle to like to figure out when you're done or at least done enough with that design it is really useful for me. Yeah. When you say like done enough, I want something that's like a very specific heuristic. If I'm going to have to apply this heuristic and I'm going to be able to say, let's say in code review to someone, hey, this violates the single responsibility principle. I need for that to be something very specific and something very actionable for them to say, okay, I understand how this breaks, you know, these specific rules that have like these specific terms with these specific definitions. I don't know, responsibility is just so vague. I don't know. I have a tough time with this and I feel like I had a tough time with TDD at first and I was like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's completely bonkers that anybody could like write a test before they wrote an implementation, like it would take so much time and how could it ever work? And you know, whether you do test first or test last or whatever is still not, I'm not that interested in it, but the idea of writing tests to me was so foreign. And I was like, this just seems impossible. And eventually like, I got to a point where I think I can like, do it in an okay way. So it took some time. And I think that um, there's another thing that's a lot like this as well, dependency injection. For a while I was like, why would you ever wanna, this seems silly, like why would you just uh, inject these dependencies? And like eventually, like I got as you get more of the testing thing, you kind of have to do more of this. And the thing that seemed again foreign and almost impossible and pointless had a lot more purpose, I think. But yeah, so so I, I'm I'm hoping that the single responsibility is something that is more like that, where it's like I just don't understand it yet, and I'm trying to get to that point that I understand it. Like, how do I decide what responsibility is? Because I feel like, you know, you could say layout is a responsibility. Yeah. You could say drawing onto a context is a responsibility. Okay, let's say you break those out into separate objects. Now the UI view encapsulates some interface that calls both of those and, and brings both of those together. Is that one responsibility, even though the responsibility is really just bringing two responsibilities together? Okay, so thinking about responsibilities is really the question here. What is a responsibility? How, right. do, you, how do we tell where one ends and another begins, right? right? I'm going to go to this thing that I wrote down while I was preparing for this episode. I don't remember which link this is from, but it will be from one of the links, which I will put in the show notes. Going back to one of the definitions I gave, let's think of a responsibility as an axis of change, meaning like something externally that could change that would cause you to change the implementation of this class, right? Right, right. Or or the interface of a class, right. I guess. But so 
think about like what what could change externally that would cause you to change this class is it that your like business rules about what content should be uh, stored offline in your application have changed that would be a reason to change a class but if you have a class that like handles storing stuff online and something like iOS networking APIs change and your business rules about storing things offline change and both of those changes mean that you have to change that class, then that class probably has, has two responsibilities. Interesting. Does that seem like it might be a useful tool for thinking about this? I feel like it's getting closer. It's a little bit more specific, but like we've kind of swapped out responsibility for, what is it, reason for reason to change to now access of change. And I feel like we're still a little vaguer than I'd like to be. I, I don't know. I think part of part of what this is is like when you get it, it, you get it, but there's no one example that kind of like makes it super clear. Like in this paper that um, the people that came up with this, it's it's Uncle Bob, this guy Tom DeMarco, and Miller Page Jones. Mm-hmm. They have this chapter of a book, which we'll put in the show notes, where they like kind of describe it and like like talk about it. And they use this example of like having a rectangle that has like logic and properties of how to get the area and like separating it out from the drawing of that rectangle, right? Right. Like, and that makes sense, but wouldn't that mean that like, you know, UI label for us, it stores all the properties of the label, like should it have a certain number of lines, what font should it have, what color should it have, but then it also takes that data and it also draws it. So that is a single responsibility principle violation? I, I think so. I, I could see in designing like a UI kit replacement or successor, I could see there being some way to separate out that sort of specification for something like a label and separate out like layout of many of these things and like drawing these specifications out to the screen right on the other hand like i don't know maybe the view really does just encapsulate the appearance of a label on the screen right it would be hard to separate out that like rendering to a basically to it like an image for the screen right yeah i feel like you could separate like this is all the data and then we're going to like wrap the data in a thing and that's going to be sort of what we what we used to actually do the drawing. So for example, I have in this new app, I'm trying using structs as my model classes, right? Okay. And I do need to be able to write these things to disk. So at some point I'm going to need NS coding or, you know, if, if you like core data, but like that can't go in the struct because structs are not classes and they're not NS objects and they can't have any of these behaviors. Right. So what we ended up doing is basically we have like a type that's coordinate and it's just a latitude and longitude double. And then we, and that's just a struct. And then we have another thing called encodable coordinate, which is an NS object that conforms to NS coding, takes mm-hmm. a coordinate and then like, does all the work around like actually turning this into like conforming to NS coding, basically turning this into data Yeah, um, that you could write to disk or, or do whatever you want with. And I like this. I like the fact that like when I look at the coordinate implementation, I don't have to bother myself with the NS coding implementation. It's sort of separate. And we have tests to make sure that like these things don't break, like the interaction between these, these two parts doesn't break. Mm-hmm. And those tests have saved us, which has been good. But like this is definitely more complicated. Like I went from having just just throw these two methods in an extension or whatever to, okay, well, now you have this new type. This new type like sometimes has this valid state of it's been initialized with a coordinate that needs to be saved. Other times it's been initialized with a decoder that has to create that coordinate itself. It's definitely more complicated. So on the one hand, like I do like keeping this separate and I do like keeping that stuff out of there. But on the other hand, like what is it actually buying me? 
I mean, so it's more complicated in some use cases, right? In probably right. the majority of your application, you're dealing with uh, a coordinate, just the structure, which is two fields, right? Yeah, pretty much. This does sort of point to something like there's a little bit of what I want to call like flexibility here, right? Or maybe not flexibility, but there is a little bit of ambiguity in terms of like how how like extremely you apply this to every one of your types, right? right? Like yes. adding NS coding to an object like maybe is a separate responsibility. Well, no, because that like is pretty, that's just tied to like that class's implementation, right? I think I'm pretty comfortable saying that NS coding is a separate response. NS coding coordinate is a separate responsibility than. So the, the primary thing that this struct does, if you really think about responsibilities, like it can convert to and from CL location coordinate 2D objects. But the primary thing it does is it, is it parses JSON because you have to do the JSON parsing in the object if you want to have non-optional, non-implicitly unwrapped optional types. So what I'm thinking about here is NS coding, like what would change? Like what, what would our axes of change be for a right. coordinate like class that has NS coding implemented? Yeah. So let's say we took this coordinate and we added like a name property to it, right? So that would change the JSON. And so this, this coordinate struct would change. But then we would also have to change the like encodable coordinate. So maybe that's one change, like adding a property is one axis of change. And that really is the only changes to what a coordinate is. Right. Are basically the only like motivation for change that I can think of here. Well, so coordinates don't change too much. And I think that's actually part of the reason they're well modeled as structs. We could add some code here that uh, validates to make sure that, okay, well, you're... Latitude has to be between what, 180 and negative 180, and same with your longitude, something like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. So we could add that, but there's a world in which this were a type where those constraints could change, mm -hmm. and so even this type we would be changing for purposes of properties and for purposes of like validation or whatever. So maybe the answer then is JSON parsing also needs to happen somewhere else and pass things into an initializer that has all the properties. That seems to line up with my understanding, right, right. is uh, like changes to, say, the format of JSON that you get from a server and changes to how you model a coordinate in your application seem like two different motivations for change, right? Right. So maybe those shouldn't be part of the same type. So, okay, if we're going to do that and we're going to say, okay, well, JSON parsing happens over here and it passes everything into an initializer to the thing that all it does is store data and encoding happens over here and mm -hmm. validation happens over here. Isn't that absurd? Isn't that just completely ridiculous well i mean so well, let, let's see here so i mean we've identified coding which which i think we agree could maybe be part of the struct if struct supported coding right like that's one thing but json parsing validation i think i would agree with that i mean going back to the fact that like the, the only reason for coding to change is the same reason for the struct to change, which so is that... So I can actually think of another reason for it to change. What if you want to change from my persistence is NS coding based to my persistence is now realm based, let's say? That That's a very good point. Yeah, that is a different, uh, a different responsibility. Yeah. And I mean, it, I think it intuitively makes sense as a different responsibility too. Yeah. Then like, you have to subclass like realms god class, right? Right, so. but that's okay because it happens elsewhere. Like our struct stays the struct, and then mm -hmm. like the encodable struct becomes the realm object. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. You got you got me there. So in that case, no, I I don't think that's that absurd. Now, the thing is that there's clearly an argument to be made for 
implementing JSON parsing for a type in an extension, right? I don't know. Imagine I don't an extension I, of that type. I draw a lot isn't, of isn't in this isn't this what you were just arguing that like it's absurd to have that all separated out? So I, I was gonna say putting it in an extension I don't I don't agree with. So what I was gonna say is that I draw a lot of I guess like a lot of my thoughts come from the Ruby community, I feel like has existed and been large. Like and they're just uh, a few years ahead of us, basically. Like Rails <laughs> got big in like 2003, whereas iOS development got big in like 2006, something like that. Or sorry, 2008 or nine. This is true. Although I will quickly point out that Rails is not Ruby. Yeah, that's fine. But like it does represent like probably 90% of the Ruby community. Yeah. yeah. And it's like the only reason that anybody cares about Ruby today. <laughs> um, it's true. It's, it's, an, it's a very important part of, of Ruby. But the point is they, they've been through so much of this stuff before. And... This is a real tangent, but basically like there was this whole thing where people were like, they had their fat controllers and the fat controllers became fat models. And then what people decided to do was take their fat models and extract what they would call mix-ins or modules. And basically you would just say like, I have my user object and I'm going to mix in the validation. And like the validation is a separate place, but it's not reusable. It's just kind of in a separate place. And there's this uh, quote, which is the whole reason I brought this up, which is any application with an app slash concerns directory is concerning. So I don't think that like what, breaking, what goes in the app slash concerns directory, the, the different like, oh, um, the yeah. like mixins are yeah, in the mixins are all basically in there. Okay. I left that part out. I think that's, that's on me. <laughs> so I basically think like, okay, if you have this type and you're extracting an extension to do like JSON parsing, you're not really conforming to the single responsibility principle. You are. That's probably true. Although it's probably, it's probably, I think it maybe is, is possible to be conforming in spirit in that like at least you've extracted um i mean let's go down the route that you've a struct that you can initialize with properties and you also have like a static method that tries to decode uh some like a json dictionary right. and call that struct initializer right right and like let's say you put that static method in an extension maybe like maybe even in a, in a different file it could be in a different module if you have your like models extracted like out into some shared framework but then json parsing is application specific for some reason sure. like the point is that it's possible to put a lot of distance between like between that struct and its initializer and the json decoding and i mean at that point you do have these like kind of separated out I actually I don't disagree with you that, that it is possible. To it's put a almost lot of like it's almost like names like namespacing, but maybe that's still a little messy. I don't know. I guess I like I, I don't have a strong argument one way or another here. Yeah, I, I can see the reason for wanting to for like namespacing. You're saying like if you want to conform to your table view delegate, it's everything's in this extension, and if you just delete this extension, you'll delete the entire conformance. I can I can respect that, but I don't think that is the same as building another object with another responsibility. Like that, you're not conforming to the single responsibility principle when you create an extension that like does the other responsibility. It's still the same type. It still has access to all the private members of the type, or whatever. I mean, so well, not if it's in right. It, not if it, yeah. I mean, yeah. so like not necessarily. Not necessarily, but like it, like huh? You know, I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't think that's a satisfactory answer to the single responsibility principle stuff. So we're like really, we're kind of in the weeds right now. Which, we're really in the weeds. We're extremely in the which weeds. I know, which like I know weeds. we like. But uh, if, if we like take a step back from like the question of 
splitting up these like sort of closely related responsibilities or not splitting them up are we, are we on the same page in terms of what the single responsibility principle means in general and like maybe we go back to the example yeah. of uh view models which we talked about quite a long time ago but with the argument that basically we like clearly in sort of conventional ios application architecture most of the like, example code that you see stuff you get from apple view controllers have a lot of responsibilities they have a lot of axes of change right a lot of motivations for change and that extracting some things out into view models and coordinators helps and is in line with single responsibility even if uh, even if we can like sort of debate whether to continue splitting up uh view models um into like presenters or formatter objects and sort of more coordination responsibilities right so I think we're in agreement about the usefulness of this tool in general. We're quibbling about exactly like how far you go with it, right? Right. But like, let's say with presenters, like I have a very clear argument when I go to someone that I'm code reviewing and I say, look, the view controller is doing this manipulation and transformation for display and it shouldn't be doing that. Like that is a very, very clear, bright line that I can draw and say, this code belongs right. in this other type. And that's not as general as the single responsibility principle, but it's something I can go and say, this is like a value that we have, which is that view controllers shouldn't do, you know, data display transformation, and we should put that elsewhere. That is something that I can very clearly go to someone and say, and if they agree with me on that value, then it's super easy to like get them to agree and do this thing in code review. My problem is that even if someone agrees with me on the single responsibility principle in general, we still won't agree on the individual specific cases of like, should we break this out? So, like you brought up, um, you know, formatters mm-hmm. and presenters as part of view models. Like, so you could have a view model do something as simple as like take the person's first name, add a space, and then add their last name and make that into one string for their full name. That's technically doing some formatting, but like that's so simple that like would you break that into its own object? And I would argue if you need to test it, and there's a lot of weird edge cases, definitely you got to extract that, test it, and like make it data in, make it data out, make it fast. That makes total sense. I mean, that specific example, like if that, that seems like, so this kind of gets into um, the uh, don't repeat yourself right. principle, right? Which is another thing that single responsibility relates to, which is that that uh, name formatting is probably something that you're going to do in more than one place in your application. And so it really does make sense to, to pull it out, both because uh, then you have like that, you know, Maybe your name formatting rules change somehow, like that's a possible motivation for change that is split out into another object. And then if you go to change it, like you're, you have tests in one place and that implementation right. in one place, right? We should also give a shout out to like Falsehoods Programmers Belief oh, yeah, Names article that is has all floated around. I'll pop that in the show notes. Um, first name, space, last name is uh, right, right. wrong in like yeah. the general case. No, that's true. I'm, I'm really interested now in sort of interpreting. So I went into this episode thinking, okay, great. So you have like a, you have like a class and there one motivation for change and that's great. But like, how does this apply to the world of like Swift and extensions yeah. and like protocols? And so what I'm wondering, and like, I'm going to think about this more and maybe publish a blog post before I this episode like goes much. live. Like maybe single responsibility in Swift means slightly different things. Maybe you have one motivation for change per extension, like on a type that is still motivated toward doing, toward achieving one thing, right? Okay. I'm I'm listening. I'm intrigued. (laughs) 
this lets me get away with my because like extensions can be far apart from the original definition right this lets me get away with putting a like static json decoding method in an extension for a struct the tests could live in in a totally different place the like interface for the pure struct is still like it is intact it exists you have to use that initializer so so here's here, here's my beef with that. It's to say that single responsibility principle is not valuable in itself, to me at least, and I hope like to most programmers. It's valuable because it gives you the like ability to test stuff. It's valuable because it gives you the ability to reuse stuff. Like Small objects aren't intrinsically valuable. They're valuable because they're easy to read, they're easy to test, and they're easy to reuse. Like, well, what do you mean? What do you mean by not intrinsically valuable? Then, like, I are, are like easy to reuse, test, read, easier for someone to like get started and figure out yeah. where to make changes, which reduces right. risk, right? What would make a class intrinsically valuable? Uh, I, I'm just saying that, like, basically, ease of change is one reason. Okay. Well, I mean, having types that have like one motivation for change per type, like. That seems to me to imply that something is at least easier to change, yes. right? Yeah. I, I think basically like each of those points, each of those three things, easy to read, easy to test, and easy to reuse, those are, I would call, intrinsically valuable. Those properties like, oh, you're really putting me to the wire on this one. <laughs> this is, we ask the hard questions here on, on Fatal Error. It's directly valuable as opposed to indirectly valuable. To me, making small objects, following secret responsibility gets you those three things, which are things that you want. I don't want small objects just for the sake of small objects. I want small objects for the reason that I can test them now or I can reuse them now. And extensions don't lend themselves to testing. Extensions don't lend themselves to reuse. And maybe you could argue they they lend themselves to being read more easily, but I'll, I'll, I'll happily grant you that. What, what do you mean they don't lend themselves to testing or... So, okay, imagine you have a view controller and one of the responsibilities that you break out into an, a, a quote-unquote extension is formatting of text, right? So you have some model object on the view controller itself, you pass that in the initializer, and then you, you check these properties for, for whatever, right? You're still just testing the view controller. Like, you're not, you're not able to, let's say, inject a protocol-based user. You're not able to... Like, let's say it doesn't even accept the user. It accepts, like, it requires you to, like, go to... It takes an ID, and it requires you to go to the network, get the user, and come back. Or go to the cache, get the user. And now you're testing the cache in the network, and you're not testing the ability to... So, yeah. So, that's I mean, why extensions is, aren't testable. Well, so um, this is where I'm thinking, like, okay, so... Have we just I, flip-flopped I, on this? What happened here? <laughs> I feel like you were defending single responsibility. Now I'm, now I'm defending it. I'm just trying to, like... I'm trying to allow myself to do a thing that I think makes sense, which is put a, like, static decode from JSON method in an extension on a struct. Right, okay. I'm trying to come up with a, like, general principle that lets me do that, right? Yeah. I, I'm not going to defend, like, adding formatting code as an extension on a view controller, right? <laughs> I will like try to defend like adding some like um, what 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 is what principle can I go with here? Is it like I dampen it? It's like functional like oh uh, referential transparency is what you're thinking of. I think I'm tr- I'm thinking of like a whole bunch of like I'm thinking about anything I can use that feels like <laughs> the right general principle, right? But like it's working toward the same goal as the user class, right? Or as the user struct, right? As the coordinate struct that we're, th- that we're thinking about. Maybe. 
Whereas, like, adding presentation to a view controller is not working toward the, like, goal of a view controller in as much as a view controller has a goal, right? Right. So I, I think I would disagree with you there by saying, okay, so let's say you've added your static JSON decode method to your extension. Now let's say you've added your NS coding stuff in an extension, and now you've added, let's say, your formatting stuff in an extension. You add your network stuff in an extension. Like, where are you well, going mean, like, to you, stop? Like, I don't think you add all that in an extension. So that's a question that has to be answered is, like, where do you stop? Or, or really, what's the general principle that dictates where you stop right. in any given case? Where, where I'd be happy to land on where you stop is, like, do as much as you need. If you need to break out presentation code or tra data transformation code for testing, break that out. If you need to break it out for reuse reasons, break it out. If you need to break out your, let's say, you know, encode, encoding stuff for testing, like, do that. If there's a reason to do it, do it. Uh, don't be shy. But, yeah. So where, where I'm landing is, like, I'm okay... Have to find have to find justification for this, right? To help me with this. <laughs> sure, let's I, go. I'm okay with adding a like static decode function in an extension yeah. on a struct. Maybe it's a matter of simplicity. I'm not okay with adding formatting. I'm not okay with adding networking. Right. What What's the line here? What's the like principle that separates these? Uh, the only thing I think of is that JSON decoding is very small. Uh, which is simplicity really, is like too yeah, too know. vague. I can't it's, think of it's functional. There are no side effects. Uh, there's no side effects with, um, with creating, formatting. formatting, yeah. One is, like, view-specific. One might introduce a UI kit dependency. All right, we're so in the weeds right now. <laughs> um, so there's, there's <laughs> definitely one other thing I want to talk about, which is protocols. Okay, yeah. Um, so in, in this PDF that we link in the, in the show notes, this is Chapter 9 of some book or something that Robert Martin and these other two people wrote. They show He shows an example, or they show an example of... Basically, like, you have modem.java, which is an SRP violation because it has methods for dial, hang up, send, mm -hmm. and receive. And he's saying there's two responsibilities here. First is connection management. Second is data communication. And he wants to separate the responsibilities, and he says it may not be perfect, but one thing you can definitely do is make two interfaces, which are in Java, the same thing as protocols are in Swift. One for mm -hmm. the data channel, which has the send and receive methods, and one for the connection, which has the dial and the hang up methods and then the modem implementation conforms to both of those and he's saying that this is also good in a single responsibility way yeah and i, I mean at least then uh, let's talk about it so if you made your model just a protocol right and then you you know you hydrate mm -hmm. your object from ns coding or from realm or from json it doesn't matter what the implementation is. It just matters that it has a property called latitude and a property called longitude. And is that yeah. maybe a better way of thinking about single responsibility principle? Is single responsibility protocols? Single responsibility protocols, which we kind of talked about last week. Which we did. We did. Uh, that's, I, I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily better or worse, but it's certainly probably very useful in Swift, right? Or in Java or anything. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. And that's where, like, I, I know I've been saying interchangeably, like, class and types when we're talking about single responsibility right. principle. A lot of the the original, like, stuff here is talking about Java, talks about classes directly. Right. I'm thinking more about, like, interfaces that should have one, more, yeah. like, or types generally, which includes protocols, right, right. that have one motivation for change. I, I'm certainly not going to ding you for using class to mean class, struct, or enum. I'm not gonna. I'm not worried about that. I do kind of think protocols are a little bit different. Also, and I'm I'm like gonna say like types more generally. Like right. your type, uh, your interface should have one motivation for change, right? But also implementation. Right. Yeah. 
Well, uh, yeah, programming is really hard. I never ever thought about it, but <laughs> it's 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 hard. It is. Yeah, I I feel like we've gotten we've we've teased out some of this stuff. I feel good about about what we did here today. I think we helped a lot I, of people. I don't know if I feel good. I, I feel like I'm more confused now than when we started. This oh episode. no! I'm gonna like I I'm gonna have to go back and really think hard about what single responsibility principle means in the context of Swift. Do we mean that each interface for a type, meaning protocol, class, struct, enum, right. has to have one motivation for change? How do extensions play into this? Yeah. Do we mean that this applies to the implementation more so than the interface? I'm so confused now. I have done this to you, and I apologize. I have. I That's okay. I'm going to try you. to figure this out and maybe blog about it if I figure anything out before this episode airs. But coming back out of the weeds, in general, when you're trying to solve a problem, when you're trying to model uh, the solution for something you're doing in your application, it's very useful to think about what business rules you're trying to implement, what sort of roles uh, different objects might take in working toward achieving this goal. And, and a useful way to do that is think about what responsibilities are at play and how they interact with each other. That's really going to drive how you design your interfaces. And if you think about things in this way, you're going to end up probably with, with more types or with more interfaces, which is a good thing. Those are going to be more reusable, yeah. uh, easier to change in a low-risk manner, yep. and more testable. Yep. And you're going to end up in a happier place. Even if, like me, this is actually like this episode ended up being more confusing than you had hoped for. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the basic principle of, like, if you need more types, make a lot more types. I, I think mm -hmm. I would say most programmers err on the side of too few types rather than too many. But yes. I could see how this could slippery slope you into too many types, which is my new show on Netflix. Setting aside the, like, that the Too Many Cooks song just started playing in my <laughs> head. Um, <laughs> I would say that I'm generally not very worried about too many types. Like, yeah. that's not a problem that I've seen too often. And I see like the too few types problem all the time. So like let's right, yeah, exactly. It's not. What, it's one... apparently not a very slippery slope. <laughs> That's true. One trick I want to ask you about, Chris, is basically like constructing your project in such a way that things can't obtain more responsibilities than they deserve. And so this, a lot of this comes into play with naming. Uh, we talked about session controller last week. If we had renamed session controller to just session you just wouldn't be able to add the controlly parts of it. That is or like, true. Yeah, or like um, the, an example I bring up in one of my blog posts is music library controller, like versus like music library and then like library queue and player queue items or whatever, however you want to break that up. And so naming, I think, helps a lot in preventing you from like encodable coordinate. I will never add formatting code to encodable coordinate. Like it would it's just like, a, it would be ridiculous. I would look right. at it like, this is just wrong. Like, but maybe you can add JSON parsing in an extension since that just gives you a coordinate. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so think about I'm this. So Why would you just not make it a free function? We, we just went back into the weeds. We're, let's uh, out of the weeds. We're like, out of the weeds. We're right out of the like weeds. 40 minutes on this episode. I think we're getting up there. Okay. I thought this was going to be a fast episode. You, you thought wrong. Oh my God. It's, it's a tricky one. It's not as straightforward. Uh, as... Going back. To your point, I can't believe I didn't even think about bringing up naming. Naming is so important. And yeah. it's hard to come up with a good name unless you actually have thought about what the responsibility of the type you're naming is, right? I sometimes put all the stuff in the type and then name it. Yeah. And then the more specific the name, the better. Yeah, that absolutely works. Or if you like yeah. know what you're modeling, giving something a, a good name from the get-go 
like you said, it really does limit you to putting things that, that adhere to like what this class is or what this type's responsibility is. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Uh, names to watch out for things, like, as you mentioned, like manager, controller tend to be a little bit more dangerous because uh, what's a manager do? Well, those all kinds of Whatever stuff. Whatever it wants. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's such a good point. Thank you for bringing cool. that up. We should wrap up to respect our listeners' time and, and their attention as well. Yeah, I'm just going to keep going in circles for the next several weeks on this. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I've, I've done this. I apologize. No, 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 it's good. It's, it's, uh, I will come out of this with a much more, with a better understanding. Yeah. Once I figure it out. So thanks to all of our listeners Thank for you. being here. Thank you for, for listening, for the, the three of you who stayed through this entire... <laughs> This Thank turn- you, Chris, for talking talking through this stuff with me. This turned out to be so much more mess than I had anticipated. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you in two weeks. Sweet. Later, Chris. <laughs>